Y'all pray for me today. Let me start by saying this. I'm overwhelmed by the urgency of eternity, the weightiness of God's word, and my lack of understanding of both. I feel like every time we get together, like I just want to like, God, what do you want to do? Right? What do you want to say? And we're doing this series called Glory Days, and people are sharing their testimonies. Um, we talked the very first week that the movement is greater than our moments, right? And there's such good news in that. Like, he's, he's, he's not taking snapshots of your life. He's, it's a movie, right? We see each other through the lens of a, a movie. Your worst moments don't stop God. He's still writing a great story through us. And then Natasha shared, and um, it was amazing. And then Amy shared, and um, it was amazing. And now here I am. And I don't, I hope it's amazing, right? Um, I'm not going to share my testimony, but I do feel like God is clearly leading our church to freedom from anxiety. Do you sense that? Freedom from fear. And so we're going to harp on that just a little bit. I was... Trying to think how old I was. 22 years old in 1988. I know some of y'all are doing the math right now to see how old I am. Older. I'll just save you the trouble. In 1988, I was graduated from college. I was sold out to Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. Knew I was called into ministry. I walked into my mom and dad's room, into my mom and dad's house, and I picked up a little book. It was called 88 Reasons. Anybody remember this? 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988. I can think of one reason why they were wrong. <laughs> it became 1989, right? But that, I, I picked it up because I was hungry for Jesus, and I read that book, and that book started just a journey of panic attacks in my life and anxiety and just like, God, why do I feel what I feel? Now, if you hear some people talk about demons, fear, they'll say, well, that book was a portal. Maybe, again, my limited understanding of both, right? I feel the weightiness of it. But all I know is there was something when I read that book, it it filled me with this like, oh, I just started. I I could sit in. I've led Bible studies for teenagers and had to put the air conditioning on 50 degrees because I was freaking out. They just thought I had bad sweat glands, but I was just having a full-on panic attack while I'm trying to teach the Word of God. And God doesn't desire for his kids to live like that, y'all. That's not his plan. When we say our greatest story is still being written, our greatest story does not include fear and anxiety and panic it, it includes peace, right? So this morning, what I'm hoping I will be able to do is, like, share with you some stuff in Luke 11 that makes sense, right? That gives us, um, I, I love the practical, like, okay, thank you, Jesus, for a moment at the altar, but now here's how we're going to live it out. But I also want to make sure that I clearly communicate that the moments at the altar matter. You with me? So here's why we give testimonies. They remind us of three things. They remind us that this is going to sound, hey, cut right. This is going to sound like I, I wrote a poem or a rap song, but I really didn't. But it, it does all rhyme. So take notes and make it into a song. Here we go. Testimonies remind us that 
Our enemy is defeated even though he isn't done. Our Savior is overcoming even if we haven't won. And now we must decide which side we're standing on. And that's the wait instant I feel. We don't have the luxury of Natasha standing here and telling us that Jesus set her free from homelessness and suicidal thoughts and depression. We don't have the luxury of hearing Amy stand up here and talk about a, a two-year cycle in her mind where she couldn't break free. And them tell us that Jesus set them free and us go, well, that's nice. We don't have the luxury of that because our testimonies clearly communicate that there is a God and that there is an enemy and that they are at war. And we have to choose which side we will be on. Y'all okay right now? I'm trying not to sweat a lot today, right? I feel this one. I did some study about um, landmines. You know, those things like they plant them underground. And then when you step on them, that happens. Um, and I, I'm like fascinated by this, this study on landmines and like how many were placed in like the Civil Wars when they first started getting used a lot. They really got used in the World War One and Two. And do you know that there are still people today who are blown up by landmines? Now let's bring that into this conversation about deliverance and demonic activity and freedom as Christians your enemy is defeated somebody just mentioned this during worship the war is over right but y'all there are landmines planted by the enemy that will still take you out they'll take me out he's defeated but he's not done and if we live our lives unaware, what does the Bible say? We need to be aware of the devil's schemes. If we live our lives unaware of his tactics, then we're setting ourselves up for a disaster. To be honest, I've, told, I've said this my whole life. The enemy has um, a game plan of three plays. Steal, kill, destroy. Show me, raise your hand. This is not about your glory days being in the past, but athletes or past athletes, raise your hand. If you were sitting in a locker room and your coach said to you, listen, we're going to go play this game, and they can only do three plays, how would you feel about winning? Pretty good. Uh, the devil's been beating a lot of people for a lot of years with a limited playbook. And I would say it's because we either underestimate his power or we overestimate ours. And what we should be doing is telling him about God's. Luke 11. We good? Um, Amy, you'd be so proud. In my notes, I have the word Satan, and it's not capitalized. Ha <laughs> ha. And it doesn't even have a red squiggly line. Huh. My spell check got saved. That's awesome. <laughs> Luke chapter 11. Are y'all okay if I just read the scripture and then just, I'll just give you some highlights, some things that just stood out to me. Is that okay with y'all? 
Um, I would make you stand, but it's a lot. How about if we stand towards the end? I'll tell you when. This will be fun. Luke 11, verses 14 through 26. I'm reading from the New International Version, and it's not on the screen, and that's totally my fault. I'm sorry. But it's on your phone or in your Bible, so you can feel free to open that up. Luke 11, verses 14 through 26. I'll tell you when to stand. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. And when the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. You ever just read verses and think, that would have been so cool. Just to be there, I'd have been like, what? But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. You might not understand the word Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Did I say Beelzebub? It's Beelzebul. Um, you might not understand that word, but that's just another word for, another name for Satan. Others tested him by asking him for a sign from heaven. Verse 17, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Y'all still good? Verse 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. I think this would be a good time to stand. Please listen to this verse. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now listen. I've got a few more verses to read, but just look at me. I am your pastor. But I'm following Jesus just like you are. Right? So please hear that. The humility, I hope, in my heart. This is not going to be one of those, you better services. This is going to be like, oh, God, please let me be with you, right? We're in this together, y'all. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it, it goes through and places, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. All the people that like a clean house said amen. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. God, this is your word. And I'm praying, God, for the next few moments that my tongue would be your tongue. That you would communicate with us what you want us to know oh and god give us an urgency of the moment because you are coming back you're returning for a bride that is pure and spotless and we want to be that bride in your name jesus amen you can be seated Let's go through a couple observations. 
Um, this sounds random, but I'm just curious. Anybody has anybody seen the movie Jesus Revolution? Yeah, we saw it the other night. Um, Wendy and I did, and Lauren Russ. I cried all the way through it, and this is what I asked God. I said, God, please let me live long enough to see that happen again. And then, please, God, don't let me get in the way of it, <laughs> right? This is, this is how I feel. I'm just trying to communicate clearly. Um, I just feel like our time is very limited. I, I don't think I'm going to like die this week. I don't have like a fatalistic view of it. But as I was with the Lord in prayer this week, he asked me a question. I shared this. We had a, a meeting yesterday with some team leaders, and I shared this with them. God asked me a question, and he said, hey, Paul, um, what's the difference between an army and an end-time army? And I, I, I get scared when God asks me questions. I get scared when y'all come up and say, hey, where is it in the Bible? Like, oh, panic attack. I don't know, man. Let's Google it together, shall we, right? I'm a bad pastor. I don't know the Bible. But when God asks me questions, I'm just like, I try to be like a responsible Christian. So my answer to God is always like, only you know, Lord, you know. <laughs> And he said, the difference between an army and an end-time army is nothing more than limited time. Every army has marching orders. Every army has a mission. But an end-time army knows that the amount of time that they have to get that done is shrinking. We're an end-time army. I feel that. Not like and my feelings are leading the way, but in my soul, my knower, my deep down in me place, that place where we know, where deep calls to deep, like our time is limited. And the army that God is raising up in this generation that's going to reach this generation is an army that rec recognizes that the time we have to do what God's called us to do is shrinking. I want you to feel that this morning. I feel that. Which is why I'm, I'm a broken record. Every Sunday, I want to get up and just say, fall on your face. Right? That's where I'm at. Like, I could teach you more stuff. I'm going to. But, like, Wendy, Wendy's listening to this amazing podcast, and the, the, the man's talking about shame. And he just spent so much time talking about the difference between knowing and being known. And, and. One of the things that Wendy shared with me from the podcast was he says, like, we, we just, we're in a society that we just love to know stuff. Like, we love, I watch Jeopardy because I'm old now. <laughs> and Wheel of Fortune, don't judge me. And I watch Jeopardy, and I always think two things. I think Mr. John should be on Jeopardy. He knows everything. And I'm just amazed at what people know. And they'll say, like, he's a bartender. How, how did he learn all that? <laughs> like, what in the world? John's not. I'm sorry. I was, was not clear. I, he's not a bartender. He's just brilliant. We like to know stuff. We like to pop out random facts, you know, that just to wow people. We don't like to be known. And when she was sharing that with me, it suddenly, some stuff like started clicking for me. That it the end of the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus said that many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, 
drive out demons. Like, they start listing things that we're fixing to study. Like, those are good things to do. But why did they not get in? He didn't say, well, the reason you're not going to get in is because there's some things you still don't know. He said, the reason I don't, I, I don't know you. You never let me know you. We never had a relationship. He's calling people to be known by him. And if we're honest, we stiff arm God all the time, don't we? Oh, um, God, you don't really want to see what's inside here. Spoiler alert, he already knows, right? And he still wants to know you. He's calling a church to be known by him. I just, I'm, I pray that that comes through for you today. So, here, okay, some, some highlights, some things that stood out to me. Just number one, deliverance is real. Uh, if you're a note taker, these are the things you would write down, but you don't have to. It's fine. Deliverance is real. Verse 14 says Jesus was driving out a demon. That's about as clear as it gets, isn't it? We don't have to pray about it. What does the Greek say? He was driving out a demon, which says that demonic activity is real, and Jesus has power over demonic activity. Deliverance is real. And, and then the second thing that stood out to me in that verse is that the man had what the demon had. Did you notice that? It said that Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute, and when the demon left, the man who had been mute could speak. There's something about, like, what the demon had, somehow the man had. So when the demon was gone, that was mute. Jesus didn't heal the demon. The demon's still mute. The demon's just gone, and now the man can speak. I don't understand all that. I'm just pointing it out to you. Be like the Bereans, right? Go home. The Bible says the Bereans would listen to Paul, and they would go home and study the Scriptures to make sure that Paul didn't mess up. Ironically, my name is Paul. And I mess up a lot. So be like the Bereans, right? Take what I say. Go home and study the word and make sure I didn't say something wrong. And if I did, come back and tell me and we'll fix it. But it seems to me that, like, there's a correlation there. I'm, I'm not saying that if your left ear is ringing right now that you have a demon with a left ear that rings. I'm not saying that. I think that's what, like, last week's testimony from Amy was so valuable. We're not looking for demons behind every tree, every door. I think that's one reason why that book about 1988 kind of jacked me up a little bit. That's not the purpose of God. He's not doing this so that we would walk around scared. He's doing it so we'll walk around empowered by his victory. More on that in a minute. Number three, and boy, aren't we going to find out the truth of this. I'm almost scared to say it. Verses 14 through 16, we find out that deliverance is divisive. Shocker. Something crazy happened in church, and people started fighting about it. What? Didn't see that coming. <laughs> Y'all don't do it. Just other churches, right? This man who couldn't talk, starts talking, and instead of people celebrating it, they start trying to figure out how it happened. That is so us, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, man that can speak now, we're going to ask you to wait outside right there while we have a church leader meeting to figure out if what's happening to you is legit. 
He's like, okay. See how I said that? I think it's legit. Well, then it must be the devil casting out the devil. If you got kids in the room, cover your ears, their ears for a second. Come, I'm going to say the S word. That's stupid. And that's what Jesus said. He's just nicer about it than I am. He uses more words. But he basically said, are you kidding me? I, I, the devil can't drive out the devil. That's, that's like when college football teams have scrimmages and say one side won. They're the same team. If one side won, the other side lost. Like, it's impossible. You can't. One kingdom can't drive out the own, its own kingdom. Jesus is like, you're using big fancy words to sound smart, but you're really dumb. That's not how it works. What I want you to recognize is that we all have opinions, but we are also all seeking answers. And I'm cool with people having opinions, but just have them in a way that's seeking an answer, right? Like, instead of going, this is without a doubt how he did it, say, I don't really understand how that happened, but could we have a conversation about it, Jesus? I'm open to learning. These men were not. Number four, deliverance is never from the enemy. Never. If what Jesus said is true, if, that's funny, because what Jesus said is true, deliverance can never be from the devil. You understand that? So, I don't know, y'all. I mean, what? I don't know what it could look like. I mean, we see movies and think it happens like that, but then I've been around Koshi in India, and we've been around, like, fully spirit-filled Christians in Brazil who you know, didn't yell at demons and scream at them and kick people in the chest. I'm not saying that can't be real, but I'm just saying I've been around people who just went, in the name of Jesus, stop, and people stopped. Like, God's got authority. He doesn't have to scream it through you. He just needs you to know that he has it, and he's given it to you to use it. Or, or maybe he does, like, I mean, I can't think of anybody even uses it as an example because y'all are all such great people. But, I mean, what, what, what if we prayed for Lizzie and some, something happened and she was standing on her head rolling around on the floor? I mean, I, it could be, what if it was really weird? And, and we were like, what, what is that? And yet people that knew Lizzie, like her mom and dad, were like, man, she's totally different now like she was she wasn't like for Jesus in that area of her life and now she is like we see a, a change a transformation that no matter how weird that thing looked we'd have to look at the fruit and say that was from God deliverance is never from the enemy he does not want you free please write that down if you take notes the enemy does not want me free but the king does. And the good news about the king is he is way bigger than the enemy. I, I preached one of my first sermons. I'll just preach it now. It was nine words long. Well, it was longer than that, but the key points made, not, made up nine words. And here, here's what they were. God is big. Man is small. Satan is defeated. 
Man, if you just if you just grab that truth, God is big, man is small, Satan is defeated. Sometimes we walk around like we're all that in a bag of chips, right? Hey, G hey, Satan, here I come. Better watch out. It's me, Paul. He's like, okay, <laughs> what? But when we say, I come in the name and authority of Jesus, it's the name of Jesus that makes the enemy tremble, right? It's not, <laughs> it's not us. <laughs> Some of us get confused, right? Well, it's how I said the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess on earth and in heaven, in the visible and the invisible world, every knee, every tongue, at the name of Jesus, not at the way you said the name. Deliverance is not hard for God, verse 20. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. I just want to point out that it only takes the finger of God. And I'm going to guess the little one. Just, just thumping demons, right? Just, just, it's all it takes. Y'all okay? Some of you are like, he has said the word demon about 50 times. I'm a little freaked. It's all good. Hang in there to the end. You're going to love the end. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to have a deliverance service. I, maybe. I don't know. Verse 21, Jesus starts to tell some parables, I think, to try to help drive these points home. Because I'm sure at this point, the people he's talking to were kind of going like, wait, what? Huh? So he starts to tell some parables, and he says in verse 21, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. I, I read for, for verses 21 through 26, I read a lot of commentaries, and they almost all started with the same sentence. You want to you know what it was? This is a very hard passage to understand. great God this is awesome and I get to I get to teach on it fantastic but one thing that I love now I've always read verses 21 22 I've always read that like oh so I'm the strong man right I'm in my house and then when the enemy comes who's stronger than me he'll just rob me but here's the beautiful thing in that two in those two verses the strong man is Satan the stronger man is Jesus that's why Jesus is telling this parable because, again, the religious leaders are talking about, like, is it by Satan's power that he drives out Satan? Who's doing what? what who, how do I know who's who? And Jesus says, let me make it very clear. There's a strong man. That would be Beelzebul, the guy that y'all keep talking about. And then there's a stronger man, and I am he. I have come to drive out the devil. Satan's strong, but Jesus is stronger. Now, we get to the hard part. Verse 23. Whoever, y'all, okay, time out. <laughs> Are y'all good? I'm just, I'm working up the courage. Okay, let me just ask you questions that will get you into a place where none of us can hide. 
Raise your hand if you're a believer. Good. Raise your hand if you believe that Jesus is the truth. Okay, good. You're doing great. Raise your hand if you think every word that came out of Jesus' mouth is true. Oh, good. Okay, here we go. Verse 23. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Deliverance forces us to choose a side. We live in a culture that wants to stay liberal. I mean, it's not liberal. (laughs) Well, that might be true. That wants to stay neutral, right? I'm just filtering some stuff out of my head right now. As the clock goes down. Um, we can't stay neutral. We can't stay neutral. Yeah, you can't sit on the fence. So, so in our in our um, synchristic, that's I think that's the right word, synchristic culture, which basically means I'm taking from this religion what I like and from this religion what I like and I also like Jesus so I want to make sure I take enough of Christianity to keep him with me so I don't go to hell. This is the culture that we live in, right? And Jesus would say to that, no, if you're not 100% with me, you're 100% against me. There is no middle. Oh, And while I could, and you would love for me to, go out in the street and preach that to all the bad people, he has me here preaching to us. Because we all like to kind of be, well, we like to be totally for Jesus, but kind of against bad stuff. To try to find that comfortable middle where we can make sure we're going to go to heaven, but on earth, our lives don't look a whole lot different than the people that aren't going to go to heaven. And this verse should weigh heavily on us. Whose side will we choose? Here's your, here's your choices. The strong man or the stronger man? There's no third choice. That's it. Again, back to the testimonies that we've heard. Our culture has taken whatever we struggle with and made that our identity. Right? And Jesus says, if you do that, you're against me. Because that's not who I made you. Oh, I'm going to give you an example, and oh, please don't promise me you won't share this on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook, so I won't know if you do or not. But I'm going to give you an example. Are you okay, Wendy? Breathing, praying for me. I just want to give you. A, I want to give you a clear example of what I'm talking about. How our culture is trying to to play the middle, right? So this is this is not even about Christianity. This is about culture. The greatest. The fastest growing sexual identification, are y'all, do we need to cover your parents' ears? 
the, gr- the fastest growing sexual identity label in our culture is bisexuality. Do you know why? It doesn't offend either side. It offends God. Y'all okay? But it doesn't offend either side. I'm not saying that you're wrong, and I'm not saying that you're wrong, because I'm bi. That's the result of thinking that there's a third choice. I just realized that I might have a completely different church next Sunday. That's fun, isn't it? Or a fuller church, because I'm telling you right now, our culture is jacked up, and they're looking for some hope. They're looking for answers, and they're not looking for an angry preacher to, to yell it at them. They just want somebody to sit down and tell them the truth. The reason why anxiety is on the rise is because we are playing with an enemy we don't understand. And we have received that as our identity. Deliverance forces us to choose a side. We would say at the church, it, it forces us to choose who we will partner with, right? Who we will allow to speak into our, into our lives. And then finally, victory isn't, this is so important, y'all, and this is how we're going to wrap it all up. So if you haven't listened to anything else, give me the next, I'm scared to put a time on it, but let's just, just give me the next five minutes, okay? Because this is where I really want to get us to, and I'll give you the big idea as well. Victory is not secured by what we drive out, but by who we invite in. That's what verses 24 through 26 are all about. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house swept, clean, and put in order. Now, this is Luke, but the same story is told in Matthew 12. And there's a word in Matthew 12 that's not included in Luke. So in Matthew 12, 44, it says that it comes back and finds the house swept clean, put in order, and unoccupied, empty. And that's when it goes out and finds seven other spirits that are worse than that one and brings them all in to have a house party. Wendy always tells me, Don't grocery shop when you're hungry. (laughs) I will buy every junk food thing in the store and maybe even open it in the store and eat it and then pay for it. Who knows? Don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry because you will settle for bad stuff. You'll make bad decisions. You'll spend way more money than you should. And what Jesus is saying here is, and this is your big idea, if you want to keep the enemy out, keep inviting Jesus in. See, it's good to pray in Jesus' name come out. That's a great thing, and it happened here. The devil, uh, that, that strong man, the spirit was driven out. And the word for driven out is ekbalo. I've talked about this before. When Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he would send out workers, the word is ekbalo. So the same word that's used here for casting out demons is also used for getting you out of your seat into the world to share the gospel. God's like thumping the church out. Ek, follow, get out there and tell people about Jesus. It's a violent word. It's about force. But it's, it's a, um, uh, what's, 
when you take a preposition, you add it to a word. It's a compound word. Ek and balo. And so balo is used all kinds of places. And it means like to move into, to pour out. But when you add ek, it's just a little more like, right? Ek balo is used all through here. But you know where balo is used? I'll start the verse, you finish it. Finish it faster and we'll get done sooner. Perfect love cast out is the Greek word balo. But it's not violent. You know where else it's used? Old wine can't be poured into, ballowed into, I mean, new wine can't be ballowed into old wineskins. You, you ballow, pour new wine into new wineskins. I hope you're, I, I want to make sure you're getting this mental picture. Because deliverance is going to happen more and more in, in our culture. Because there is a very clear war going on between a king who has won and an enemy who is lost and kind of mad about it. Right? He's still out to destroy us. But our king... Y'all, he is protecting us. So there's going to be this clash going on. But what I want you to see is we might sometimes have these like prayer services that seem very violent, very ekabalo-ish, like get out. But the way Jesus said it in 1 John 4 is that perfect love poured into our lives moves fear out. It's like there's just no more room. It's like that stuff you can buy at Lowe's. You shake it up and you squirt it and it just. That's, that's the picture. When you invite Jesus into your life, that perfect love fills all of us. And there's no room for fear. And so what do we do when we feel afraid? If, if I came across 88 reasons why Jesus should have returned in 1988. If I came across that and I picked it up again and I started to feel anxious and panic and fear, what is the answer for that? God, there's some part of my heart where your love has not touched yet. And so I invite you in to my life. Because if I don't, then I'm, I'm delivered and unoccupied, which means I'm a target. Which goes circled all the way back to what we've heard the last two weeks. And that's why I love these testimonies. I mean, when Amy stood up here and said, like, let me tell you what I know. Weren't y'all leaning in? Like, I'm writing down what she knows and hoping maybe I'll know it too, right? Because we know that his word will not return void. We know that if he's for us, then he's greater than those who are against us. We know that even when the weapon is formed, it still won't prosper. And so when we start to feel the things that we feel, we have to remind ourselves, oh, whoa, 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 uh, hold up. Jesus is with me. Psalm 23 has become one of our favorite psalms because it says that the Lord prepares a table for us. Where? In the presence of our enemies. Revelation, you've heard this verse, says that, behold, I stand at the, and I, and if anybody will let me come, 
I will sit and I will eat with him. Let me just draw this picture and then, band, come give us some, bring it to an end, Paul, music. And everybody said amen. Let me see if I can get this picture out for you. The house has an impure spirit, and the house, that spirit's driven out, and it's looking for a place where it can rest. It can't find it, and so it comes back, and in this story, he comes back and finds an empty home. But imagine if, imagine if, when Jesus started knocking, Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. That's not written to unsaved people, y'all. That's written to the church. We use that as an evangelistic verse. He didn't write that to lost people. He wrote that to believers who were not letting him in. You feel the weight of that? I stand at the door and I knock. Because I'm telling you, people, I know because I'm the Lord. I know there's an enemy and he's going to come back. Please let me in. Because if you'll let me come in, I will come into your house and I will sup with you. Which is King James Version for sup. Okay, literally it just means to eat. But yeah, I thought that was cute. I'll come into your house and I will set a, a feast on a table for you. And I will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. It's always in my head been like this weird picture of why is God setting up a picnic table in a park where there are enemies? But when I read this, it was like, oh, I get it. I'm the house. And he's gotten the enemy out. And he tells me, if you want to keep the enemy out, just open the door, Paul, to every room in your house and just let me come in. And if you let me come in, I will like, my love will fill your life. And I will set a meal on the table. And when the enemy comes back and is knocking on the door and peeks in the window, instead of seeing an empty house for the taking, he's going to look at you at the table with a man who just kicked his butt. And he's going to say, ooh, I, I don't think I want that again. And it's all about, is your life full of Jesus? And, and if it isn't, and I'm telling you, you can come to church every Sunday for the rest of your life and your life still not be full of Jesus. Let me tell you how to fill your life with Jesus. Read the Bible. Like not just on Sundays when I point to a passage or somebody else points to it, but read the Bible. Fill your heart, your mind with truth. I mean, go back and listen to the testimonies that we've heard already. To all the scriptures that were shared. And store them in your heart. The Bible says that we bring good out of us because we've stored good in us. Store yourself up with the word of God. So that even if the enemy knocked and he opened the door, he would be pushed back with the truth of God that's all stored up inside you. Like, Paul, it can't be that easy. I didn't say it was easy. But, man, that's doable. Um, Russ, do we have that picture?
did I, do you have that picture I sent? I'm hoping that you do. Do you have a picture? I, um, it's, it's in Dropbox. I'll set it up while you're looking. Last Sunday night, I came to um, youth not to be in it. I just happened to be here. And while I was here, um, Judah, hey, Judah, Judah, we're talking about you. He's on the back row right there. He's being held up. He's like, he's Simba. Um, I just was walking around with Judah and hanging out with him. And, and then before long, he was asleep. And this is so critical. As he was sleeping, because, you know, when a baby sleeps, you don't wake them up, right? So he's sleeping. I got my phone out, and I flipped it, the camera on with my left. It was hard. And I lifted it way up like this to try to get a picture of his face. Because his face was like, which, if you can't find a rust, it's fine. I just, I just acted it out. It was great. But here's what I thought. That's the perfect picture of what it means to abide in Christ. Again, I, I can't overemphasize how good, how, what a great job our testimonies have done of pointing us to, y'all, we, sometimes we focus on the enemy way too much. He's, Jesus is like, rest in me. I'm your foundation. I'm the, the wall of fire around you. And I kept thinking like, what is Judah not thinking about while he's like this? He's not thinking about what he's going to eat next. He's not worried about if he's going to have money to pay the bills. He's not worried about who he's going to marry. All he knows is, this is sweet. The Bible says that God gives rest to those he loves. Because he's the one fighting for you. And in case you think this is a message about doing more stuff, this is just a message about opening the door and inviting Jesus into your life, every area of your life. And recognizing that when you feel the anxiety, the fear, ask God, why do I feel that? What part of my life have I not allowed your love to touch? And just one last thing, and I'll pray. Just to convince you that this is biblical. Will there be fear in heaven? Why? Because Jesus is there and because the Bible says that we will see him as he is. When Jesus shows, fear goes. It's not a formula. It's his word. It's not meant to make us feel bad when we feel afraid. It's meant to indicate to us that there's an area where we have not his, he hasn't come in. I know that this has been long. I'm going to ask you just to take this moment and decide. Are you gathering with him or scattering what he's trying to gather? Are you for him or are you against him? Fear is not an indication that you're against God. Anxiety is not an indication that you're against God. 
it's just an invitation to allow him in even more. Because his perfect love poured into our hearts leaves no room for fear. So if that's you, if you would like to respond to that, here's what's going to happen. We're going to pray. I think we might even sing that song that says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And God, it's because when we see you, see you, keep our eyes on you, recognize that you're with us and for us, you outnumber our enemy. make a decision this morning. One, to respond to him if you're struggling in these areas. But two, I'm asking you to examine your life and ask yourself the question. I, I can't be 90% for God or 20% against evil. I'm 100% with Jesus or I'm 100% against him. That's the verse that we read. I'm going to ask you to examine your life and to respond to that. I'm calling you to a wholehearted life full of Jesus. And if, if you feel like you need to respond to that, I'm going to ask you to stand. Just to stand, come to the front if you want to, but come to the Lord this morning.